Our preacher today is Pastor Justin Soto, and uh, he pastors the River City Baptist Church up in Sacramento, our state capital. And uh, we're thankful for Pastor Soto, has pastored there now nine years as daughter Rebecca, as a graduate of West Coast. Many of you remember her, and uh, we're so thankful for her dad and Pastor Soto being willing to drive all the way down from Sacramento, about a five and a half hour, six hour trip, depends on how heavy your foot is, I guess, but uh, about 400 miles from here in the northern part of our state, and uh, certainly thankful for these pastors that carve out time to be a blessing to us and encouragement to us. The reason they do it is because they love the Lord, but they also are interested in the next generation, and I so appreciate that as we invest in you so that you can take the baton and go on and invest in others. So Pastor Soto, thank you for being here. Let's welcome him as he comes to preach for us this morning. Yes. Wow, this is exciting, amen. And it's so privileged to be here. I got uh, a few of my kids. Rebecca is here. I'm not sure where they're sitting. And uh, they're right over here. And then I got Sam, my son, and Ellie, uh, my daughter. They're both in high school. And so thank you so much. What a great crowd. And with COVID, uh, most places you go, the crowds are so limited, including our church. And I know the colleges have struggled uh, just to meet the protocols and keep things moving forward. And this is an encouragement, Dr. Getch, to me. And I'm thrilled to be here today. I'm going to open in prayer. Actually, why don't you find, take your Bibles and find Isaiah chapter 6. I'm going to read the scripture. I'll open in prayer and uh, talk a bit, and then we'll jump right into the message here this morning. Isaiah 6 is a familiar passage of scripture, recognizable to most of us here. I'll read the first uh, few verses out loud. You can follow along with me silently as I read, and then we'll, like I said, have a word of prayer. After prayer, uh, you can be seated. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon his, my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. So much in this passage of Scripture that pertains to you, to me, to callings, to the ministry of Isaiah. I believe Isaiah is the greatest of all the prophets the penman of the book of Isaiah, the greatest of all the uh, prophets of the Old Testament as far as books of the Bible go. So much is happening here. Uh, before I pray, I'd just like to just share um, uh, just 30 seconds or so of where I am and what I'm doing. Uh, I pastored in Calusa, California for about a decade. Calusa is an hour north of Sacramento. It's a small farming town, about 6,000 people. I 
assumed the pastorate there at the age of 27 and pastored there for a little over 10 years. And uh, as I was encroaching on 40, the Lord just impressed upon my heart the need for new churches. And so uh, my wife and I and our four children left the comforts and confines of an established and successful ministry and planted a brand new church in the capital of the state of California. We're about five miles north of the actual Capitol building and uh, right there in the Natomas area, which is near the airport, if you've ever been to Sacramento. And uh, it's been a lot of ups and downs, and I would um, just thank the Lord for all that he's done in our ministry, in our life. And if you've been there, several from the college have been there on tour groups and different uh, reasons and such. And, uh, but the Lord has done a work, and we're just plugging right along, doing the best we can with COVID, as all churches are right now. But I would admonish you, wherever you serve the Lord, and some will serve in lay capacity, and that's okay. But the Lord has called you to do something. We want you to do what the Lord has called you to do. And we do need more men and ladies. And you are here training for ministry work and your life ministry. Again, some will be actual full-time ministry as far as your vocation. Others will be uh, still full-time from a lay standpoint. But may I admonish you, there's a work to do for the Lord. And I would just greatly um, just beseech you to uh, follow after the Lord and take college and soak it up and learn from everybody. And I remember the days I was in college and chapel was the highlight of college. And as uh, it is here, and it was just reminiscent to me with the singing and even the announcements and all the goings on, and uh, what a privilege that you have to sit here in this place at this time for such a time as this. Let's pray. After prayer, you can be seated. We'll jump into the message here today. Father in heaven, we thank you again for this gathering. We don't take it lightly. I know several, many have already had classes today and they've uh, already uh, been stimulated doctrinally and through maybe illustrations, through biblical teaching, through even the personalities of the various teachers. And some have studied, taken tests already. Some might even be mentally exhausted from late nights of work, yesterday, early mornings, squeezing in devotions as we ought, class to class, juggling finance, juggling life. And here we are this hour. We don't take it lightly. We know that this chapel service, as every chapel service, has the potential to be life-changing. To some, to many, we ask that you do just that. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you work powerfully in my life, in my heart, as I bring your word to this most choice group of young people. Planning to serve you, Lord. Training for that end the staff that sacrificially gives of themselves because they believe in eternity. And I pray that you bless each and every person who's here. We give you the praise, honor, and glory for it's in Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It is no coincidence. It is not happenstance. It's not simply a time reference. 
And in verse 1 here it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I, Isaiah, saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. It didn't just so happen to be the exact same year. Rather, it happened because it was the year that King Uzziah died. And King Uzziah was the tenth king of the southern nation of Judah. And he was only 16 when he began uh, his reign as king. And the Bible says uh, that as long as he, Uzziah, sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. And prosper he did. He was industrious, both agriculturally, militarily, and he, for 52 years, reigned in Judah, had for all intents and purposes a great reign. The latter years of his ministry, however, as king, he had uh, gone away from the Lord, and so the people of Judah, for near five decades, had a great king leading them. And as the, the waning years of his reign uh, declined, he did a few things, if you're aware of. He went into the temple and tried to do some sacrifices. He got leprosy and he died. And it just set the stage for God to say, I'm going to reach down and I'm going to find a young man and I'm going to take that young man and I'm going to raise him up. So in the verse, verse there, it says in the Year in the year that King Uzziah died. Again, it's not just merely a coincidence or a time reference, rather, because of that event happening. I saw the Lord sitting upon his throne. Isaiah was taken up into a heavenly vision to see the throne of God and what a privilege, what an honor it was for him to see such things. And he was caught up there, and it says in verse number two, above it stood. The seraphims, the only time the name seraphims is mentioned specifically is right here in Isaiah chapter 6. We have references in the book of Revelation and other places in the Bible of seraphims and cherubim, of course, and uh, the different angelic beings. But the only time by name the word seraphims that I know of at least is mentioned here is in Isaiah chapter 6. And Isaiah caught up to that heavenly throne, caught up to see those angelic birds who are circling the throne of God. In verse number 3 it says this, And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. It is interesting to me that the very first uh, message communicated to Isaiah as he's caught up in the year that King Uzziah dies, as his ministry will be commissioned, as he purges himself with the coals representing blood atonement and being cleansed of your sins, and as he's cleansed with the, 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 the coals there, as he says, here am I, send me, prefacing all those things is the holiness of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. The Bible says, and again, I believe the holy, holy referencing the triune nature of God uh, because the Father and the Holy Spirit and the Son are all holy and we uh, attribute that attribute of God in His holiness. And the Bible says in the book of Revelation chapter 4 verse 8, and John is caught up into the future in Revelation chapter 4, and the Bible says in Revelation uh, chapter 5 that there's 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands there, a sea of people if you will, far greater than the seas of people you see collected here at, uh, at the, the church, at Lancaster Baptist Church, and people upon people, thousands times 10,000, 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands. And by the way, if I under the, understand the scripture right, John is actually caught up into the future, and he sees 
the, the multitudes of people, including us, we are caught up because John is caught up into the future and we're there. And he sees in John chapter 5 this 10,000 times 10,000 and that includes me and that includes you. So there you are in the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. You're in that uh, Revelation chapter 5. But before we get to the 10,000 times 10,000, John the Apostle sees something similar to Isaiah. And in Revelation chapter 4 verse 8, he, says, he sees the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and, the, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, holy, holy God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And we see Isaiah caught up to that heavenly vision and seeing the throne of God and the angelic seraphim saying, holy, holy, holy. We see John caught up into the future and John seeing holy, uh, holy, holy. And I would submit to you today that there's a clarion call, a revival, if you will, of holiness within the people of God. Because the first thing that Isaiah hears and the first thing that John sees is the holiness of God being recognized. The Bible says in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 7, it says it many different places. I could have chosen uh, many different verses similar to this one, but I'll read this one to you. It says this, Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be ye holy, for I, the Lord, for I am the Lord your God. So we ought to be holy because God is holy. Purity, sanctification, set apart for a purpose. Now I want to take that thought of holiness and God's holiness and I want to uh, use that and I'm going to take another passage of Scripture here in a moment. But before I do that, I'd like to say that the word holy, H-O-L-Y, though not perfectly synonymous with the word whole, W-H-O-L-E, they do, uh, the word holy comes from the word whole. And so when you see the word holy, H-O-L-Y, you understand there's a sanctification there, a purity for a purpose and a purity for a reason. But you also understand that the reason that God is holy, H-O-L-Y, is because God is holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, meaning this, everything that God is supposed to be, He is. God lacks nothing. And so God is whole. He is W-H-O-L-E, whole. And because God is W-H-O-L-E, whole, he's not missing anything. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, I believe it's verse 48, be ye therefore perfect. Now we understand there is a tense there in the Greek language that says be becoming perfect, where it's like we can't arrive to sinlessness. We're all sinners we can aspire and we can be on the trajectory of growth and growing in grace and our goal ought to be wholeness meaning anything that's in our life that shouldn't be there we need to get rid of and anything that is in our life that's that should be in our life that isn't in our life should be and that's what whole is and that's one of the definitions and I realize there's other definitions of holiness but one definition of of holiness is W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy, meaning, meaning being complete. We talk about the Bible being the Holy Bible. And the Holy Bible is, we use the word plenary. And the word plenary simply means everything that's supposed to be in there is there, 
And anything that's not supposed to be in there is not in there. It contains the entire word of God when we say plenary. It's, there's no filler in the Bible. It's not like this is, contains the word of God. No, this is the word of God. All 66 books of the canonized scripture, every, every begat there in First Chronicles is divinely inspired, divinely preserved scripture for you and for me. It's plenary. It's the Holy Bible. It's complete. It's not lacking anything. We don't need new revelation. We don't need a, a pearl of great price. And we don't need the book of covenants. We don't need all these extra revelations that religions uh, gather because we have the finalized scripture in its entirety, it's plenary. It's everything that's supposed to be here is. God gave us the holy. You mean because it's, uh, you know, pure? Yes. Because it's sanctified? Yes. But also because it's whole and because it's complete. Holy, holy, holy. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 34. In Numbers chapter 32. In, uh, also in the book of Joshua, um, the Bible says about Caleb, that he wholly followed the Lord. And it uses that, not H-O-L-Y, holy, but the W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy. Because Caleb wholly followed the Lord. The old, I want that mountain passage of scripture, right? He wholly followed the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, I'll read the verses for you. Let no man despise thy youth. Of course, Paul, speaking to the, uh, his apprentice, if you will, Timothy, his trainee, if you will, Timothy, the one he's trying to craft and mold and to be the, 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 the taker of the torch, if you will, or the one to whom he'd pass that baton, if you will. And he says, let no man despise thy youth. Be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation, in charity and spirit and faith and purity. And he goes on to say in verse 14, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given by prophecy, which the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Verse 15, Meditate, meditate on these things. Give thyself wholly to them. And so as we started with Isaiah being caught up into the uh, seeing the angelic, a vision of the throne of God and hearing the seraphim say, holy, 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 which God is holy, God is pure, but God is also holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. Everything God is supposed to be, he is. And anything that God's supposed to not be, he's not. Because he's complete and he's whole. Now the Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 4, um, verse number 7, it says, wisdom is the principal thing, Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. I love, absolutely love that little phrase in Proverbs 4, 7. And with all thy getting. And I think of a place like West Coast Baptist College, and what a privilege you have to sit at the feet of men and ladies. And we're not going to lift them up and elevate them above where they, where they ought to be. But we're going to say that we're going to recognize that these are men and ladies of God that are training and you're in a, I mean, this church, there's very few churches. If you grew up in this church, and you grew, or you grew up in a large church, you don't understand most churches are about 80 to 120 people. Now, let me see. How many come from a church that has between 80 and 120 people? Just raise your hand. That's more than half the crowd. 
You can lower your hands. So most churches are 80 to 120 people, and you have a privilege. And there's something very special about being here and seeing this choir and hearing the special music and having all the ministries, and you get to be a part of it, and you get to grow with it. And I would admonish you today, as we started with the holiness of God and the wholeness of God and the completeness of God and the completeness of the Scriptures and these passages of Scripture that Caleb was holy following the Lord and Paul admonished Timothy to wholly meditate and follow the things that have instructed you. I would say to you today that I would admonish you greatly, Bible college student, to brace this philosophy of getting everything you can and being balanced and being complete. The Bible says about Jesus that he grew in stature and wisdom in Luke chapter 2. And in John chapter 1, it says that he was full of grace and truth. So Jesus, as his maturation went, he was continually adding to the point that he commenced his ministry. And when he commenced his ministry, he said he was full of grace and truth. He was complete. And we know he is the sinless son of God and we know there's no sin in Christ. But I'm saying because he grew in wisdom and stature, he was adding to what he was. He was sitting amongst the doctors. He was listening. He was both hearing and asking questions. So it shows you that our Lord himself understood the importance and that Paul understood the importance as he addressed Timothy and Caleb understood the importance of saying, I'm going to go and I'm going to learn, I'm going to soak up, I'm going to take everything that's out there and I'm going to be well-rounded, well-balanced. And sometimes we see in uh, maybe ministries, maybe a singularly focused ministry and uh, um, uh, I've always found that issue-oriented and one-directional preachers and ministries are shallow. And I don't want that for you. I, I was at a church once and as a guest visiting, and I, I'm obviously not here to criticize anybody, but on there, I think it was their bulletin, it said something to the effect of, soul winning isn't everything, soul winning is the only thing. And boy, you think, oh, that sounds so awesome. What about discipleship? What about uh, biblical preaching? What about counseling? What about all the things that make up a church? If soul winning is the only thing, and I've found that churches that tend to be and people that tend to be issue oriented, if you see one, if you see every single doctrine through the filter of one issue, then you are out of balance. And if you're out of balance, you're going to find yourself very shallow. And if you find yourself shallow, you're going to find yourself to be just not doing the work that God would have you to do. And you won't do it forever. Because every person that I've ever kind of taken back and looked at and, and, and concluded that they have this kind of level of one-sidedness. I don't know of one that's continued in the ministry. Because what I would admonish for you today And then, I don't think anybody here other than a, just a small handful, my kids, of course, have heard me preach. So I have one opportunity here. I preached at the college here five years ago. So maybe a dozen people have ever heard me preach. And you say, you got one chance, Brother Soto, to preach to a uh, uh, thousand Bible college trainees. What are you going to tell them? I'm going to tell you that I believe that you ought to be balanced in your approach and balanced in your ministry, and you ought to be whole. And the way you get whole is you go to this man and all these men and all these ladies, and you come to this church, and you soak up everything. You glean from everybody. 
with all thy getting, holy with your walk. And of course, we want a holy walk, H-O-L-Y, but I also want a holy walk. You have got to understand the importance of time and fellowship with God. The Bible says in Philippians 3.10 that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being made uh, conformable unto his death. And that's a familiar verse. And there ought to be a wholeness to your walk with God. You ought to come to chapel. You ought to come to church. And I was at Bible college and I worked second shift and I worked 40 hours a week and I knew what it was like to be tired. I know you're tired. I understand that. I understand there's pressures and there's frustrations even and there's all kinds of things going on in your heart. And by the way, that's part of your maturation. That's part of the process. It's not going to be like this forever, I promise you. But it's good to know that you, when you're 18 and 19 and 20 years old, you can live on five hours of sleep and juggle your finances to pay your school bill and to do the things that you're supposed to do. And again, but interwoven with all of that is the need to make sure that you're wholly following the Lord like Caleb did in your walk with the Lord. Because if you miss that one, he said, I got all my theology, all my ducks in a row. Brother Soto, I went to class. I went to Bible doctrines class. I went to church, uh, you know, Old Testament survey and New Testament survey. I went to church education. And again, they might call the classes a little differently here. I went to homiletics. I mean, I went to hermeneutics. I mean, I, we went to all the classes. And I'm glad that you do. And I'm glad that you're taking good notes. I'm glad that you're studying. I'm glad that you're getting good grades. But you can't be one directional. You must be complete. You must be balanced. You must be well-rounded. You must be like Jesus, full of both grace and truth. And grace and truth might be on opposite ends of the spectrum. And yet he was complete in both of those. Because he was balanced. He knew when to take a cord and drive out the money changers. He also knew when to stoop on the ground and draw on the dirt. Because he was balanced. Because he was full of grace and truth. And how did he get full of grace and truth? He grew in wisdom and stature and was in favor with God and man. Luke chapter 2. You need a holy, holy with your, with your walk. You need to be holy with your, with your wisdom or your education. Learn all the pieces of the tabernacle furniture and what they illustrate. That stuff, I love that kind of stuff, honestly. And you'll forget them, and when you do a Bible study at some church someday, you'll have to go and get your notes out again because you'll go, oh yeah, what does the, you know, the candlestick represent? What does the table of showbread and the laver and all those things? But learn those things. Again, my admonition, I have one chance. Pastor Soto, you're going to come and preach chapel. What are you going to preach? I'm going to encourage the youth, the young adults, the young trainees, those going into the ministry. Be balanced. Be whole. God is holy. We're commanded to be holy. And yes, that's pure. And yes, we need that. And that could be a sermon all in itself and, and should be and probably is and will be. But today it's the W-H-O-L-E whole from which the word holy, H-O-L-Y, comes. Because God is whole. He's complete. Did you know that in the book of Genesis, Judah is a man? A lot of good stories about him there too. There's some head scratchers in there. Have you ever just read a 
<laughs> read the Bible and scratched your head and thought, Lord preserved it. I'll just keep on turning. There's a couple about Judah there in the latter part of Genesis. But in Genesis, Judah's a man. In Exodus, he's a tribe. In Joshua, he's a territory. In 2 Samuel, it's a nation. Well, you need to, you need to know that. Because it's talking about Judah, it's talking about the man Judah, the tribe Judah, the territory land Judah, or the nation Judah. Well, how do you get that? Just keep on learning. One great thing about this book is you never get to the end. It's inexhaustible. Keep digging and digging. We've all heard Brother Getz preach you many more times than me. Every time you hear Brother Getz preach, you think, this guy really knows his Bible. You can't hear him preach for just one time and not conclude that. And he's still learning, right, Brother Getch? Because it's inexhaustible. So holy with your wisdom. You want to have a whole and you want to be complete. Know the kings of the Old Testament. Know the Old Testament. I was talking to a gal, and it was when I was um, actually in high school. And I was involved in church, and she was really involved in church, so much so that she had her Bible every single day on her public school desk. And so she and I, because we both were churchgoers in the public school system, we talked some. And some, you know, some things just jump out at you and you do this stay with you. And this gal was very involved in church. And she said to me one day, what did your pastor preach about on Sunday? And I said, he preached about Nebuchadnezzar. And this is a gal who goes to church very faithfully, maybe more of a contemporary church. And she said, Nebuchadnezzar, I've never heard of him before. And again, if a new Christian doesn't know who Nebuchadnezzar is, that's fine. But somebody who's that involved should know who Nebuchadnezzar is. And for whatever reason, this being 30 years ago, it stands out in my mind. And she said to me, well, our church, all we do is focus on the New Testament. Whole. Be complete. Have no gaps in your understanding of the Old Testament. You say, I, I'm not there yet, Brother Soto. That's okay. None of us are there, but we're, we're filling in those pieces. It's like a big giant puzzle. You just keep putting the pieces together. And the more pieces you get, the more clearly the, the, the picture uh, comes out. So I said, holy with your walk. I said, holy with your wisdom and the things you know. I mean, and by the way, learn how to communicate. Learn language. Learn grammar. And some, you know, you might have a preacher who comes up here and I don't claim to be a grammar whiz by any stretch of the imagination, but I really try to speak properly. And if I come across a word that I use that I find to be uh, not the proper way to use it, I'll change that. And you might say, oh, we had this old country preacher who came in and he used double negatives and split his, you know, infinitives and all those things. That's okay. But for you, learn your grammar. You're in college. Learn how to write effectively and powerfully. Because you want to be whole. So get your wisdom, whole in your wisdom. Holy in your work, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Echaia, that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Don't neglect 
ministry work while you're training for ministry. Get involved. I'm not sure how they let you, if they let you sing in the choir or not as a college student, but if they let you have groups, be involved in those things. I can't sing at all. So I've, and, and again, that's a shortcoming of mine and maybe something I need to work on as I preach to myself here in the sermon. But, but go and learn and learn an instrument and learn how to, uh, to, to, to work in the, uh, you know, the, the sound booth and, and learn how to, uh, you know, obviously the soul winning and the parks ministries, and going out and leading people to Christ, and teaching Sunday school class, and teaching uh, junior church, and doing all those things, because you need ministry. You need to train. You're in the quintessential place to be trained for ministry work. Soak it up. Holy, holy, holy. God is. First thing the seraphim said, as they, they say it continually, but the first thing Isaiah heard was them saying that continually to, uh, to uh, remind us of the fact that God is holy. And yes, he's pure, but he's also complete. And as he is complete, he wants us to be complete. Be as, as the Lord is holy, be ye holy. I said that holy with your walk, holy with your wisdom, holy with your work or your ministry. Holy with your want. Where there is no vision, the people perish. I hope that some of you young men are out there thinking to yourself, someday, I'm going to be overseas in the middle of nowhere. I'm going to have scores of indigenous people who've never even heard the name Jesus before. And I can hardly wait. And others of you are thinking to yourself, I can hardly wait to be driving that church van with a group load of kids and we're going to youth conference together and I got uh, uh, my 15 passenger van all filled up and I'm thinking behind me are kids who grew up in church. Behind me are kids who have been saved for a few months. Behind me are kids who are in a call to preach. And is there a want to in you? If there's, an, if there's not a want to in you right now, you better do some business with God and you better go get up early in the morning and stay up late at night and spend some time with God and have a genuine want to to do something for the Lord. A drive. They've addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Be whole. Be holy. Be complete. Have, again, have your wisdom, all the things you're supposed to know. Have your work, ministry. Have your want to, your desires. Have your walk with God in check. Be complete, be whole. Don't be one-sided. Don't be just out of balance. Don't be the guy that, or the gal that's known for only one thing. Better to be here in obscurity soaking it all up than be known. That's the guy that really preaches well. That's a girl that she can play the piano like nobody's business. And again, there might be one glaring, you know, attribute of you that, that stands out. So I get that. But if you have, you know, it's not how high your highs are, it's how high your lows are. A chain is only as strong as its weakest link. I've known many a guy who had every T crossed and every I dotted except for purity. I mean, God, we all went to Bible college with a getch. 
There were guys there who were the movers and the shakers. But you're only as strong as your weakest link. It's not how high your highs are, it's how high your lows are. Your wants. Lastly, I said, you know, and with all thy getting and being whole and being complete, as God is holy, we ought to be holy. I said, holy in your walk, holy with your wisdom, and that's W-H-O-L-Y, holy. Learn it all. Do all the classes. Do the classes you don't want to do. You know what? The boring are teachers. And the classes that are smaller are sometimes the ones that change your lives the most. When I was in Bible college, it was about the size of this as, as West Coast. And there was a couple Bible college teachers that when they put their class schedules out, especially if it was electives, things you could choose, there's obviously classes that are mandatory. They had to use the, the, the chapel. They had 400 students in there. But you know those classes I remember? 12 of us. Seven of us and the teacher. And some man of God, or in my case, or lady of God in your case, who doesn't have the dynamics, doesn't have the youth, but has a walk with God like nobody's business. And you get to rub shoulders with them. And some of those classes in the little dark around the corner classroom, the little brick one that the lights barely work because it's all around the corner. Nobody even uses that because it only has room for 10 students. Some of those classes are the ones that God did a work, the likes of which the world's never seen. Your wisdom, your work, your want, and holy. I'll just say this. I think that at Bible college is a great place to find your wife or your, your spouse, to complete the alliteration of the W. They used to tell us, if you don't leave with a woman, you don't leave at all. And uh, jokingly, of course, I'm just saying this. When you come to West Coast Baptist College, when God calls you here, you come from all kinds of different backgrounds, different churches. Some churches are a little bit more contemporary, some a little less contemporary. Some are a little bit bigger. Some are a little bit smaller. Some are a little more, you know, dogmatic on certain doctrines, and others are a little dogmatic on other doctrines. And you come here, and you can sit over in one of these side places, and you can pull your little steno pet out and say, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. Or you can just put that stuff away. You say, open my heart, Lord. You brought me here for a reason. Teach me. I, I want to be complete. I want to be whole. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord.